and my man Steve Rowland. We're kicking the flow. We're kicking the flow. And it goes a little something like this. Tag team, back again. Woo. Check it, direct it. Let's begin. Party on, party people. Let me hear some noise, DC. Oh, that's a way to start a show out right there. You know it live, back in action with style and grace, putting you in the right places. You are listening to the one and only Third and Three podcast. This show is presented by the Sports Column. My name is Jason Fearman, coming to you from South Florida, but this squad is all over the map, from the Southwest up to the Northeast. I got the best team in the league, guys. Ladies first, as always, one of the funniest and wittiest people I know. And I'm glad to call a friend, Miss Tricky Nikki G. What's up? This is your song right here, girl. This is my song, yeah. I love this song. Um, I'm doing good. We have a perfectly beautiful fall-like day in Jersey today. Like 72 degrees. So it's like winter for you guys, right? Um, yeah. I love it. That's awesome, man. Now, a great way to start off again with this uh, song right here. The theme of Mount Play a Play this week is best movie soundtracks. So you're going to be hearing a lot of awesome songs today on the Third and Three podcast. And of course, we got the full team here. Our coach, who is a young man well beyond his years in intellect, another person I'm cr- very proud to call a friend, the real deal, Damian Adams. What's up, man? Absolutely love it. I love to hear it. Yep, down here in Florida, forget. I don't even bother looking at the temperature. I just know it's hot and it's going to rain at some point. So that's it. That's it. We know it's so. God bless the AC, like you said, man. Like you said. All right, man. Third and free podcast. We're coming at you. You know, we're all about the fun the football, the facts on this show, and we truly enjoy what we do. While we love our sports, we love our life much more. Sports is a big part of our lives. So when players in sports in the NBA we've seen recently walk out during the middle of the playoffs, it grabs our attention and it grabbed the entire nation's attention. The players boycotted was an extremely strong statement and goes to show you that these types of of demonstrations will be heard a lot louder than gunshots in a violent protest. I thought it was very, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes over here. I thought it was very impressive what they did and I stand behind them all the way. So um, look, before we get into all the fun, we want to get serious for a little bit. We want to talk about what we're seeing and hearing around this country. Nikki, I want to go to you first. You know, People are saying, you know, I support Black Lives Matter and I support overcoming racial injustice, but saying and doing are two different things, as we know, which I believe people need to hear other stories and the true fears of when you hear somebody saying, I'm leaving my house and I may not even come back. Nikki, when when you hear stuff like that and it's true, I, I don't know how you live with something like that. And again, we can say we support all we want, whether you're black, white, no matter what color you are, but it does call for action. And again, nonviolent action is what we're looking for. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, just coming at the perspective as, you know, uh, a white female, I mean, even I can do better. Of course, I support, you know, everything that, every, you know, what we're fighting for and to abolish systemic racism. Of course I do, but 
I I don't support the violence. I don't. I really think the violence and the destruction is just creating more division, and we need to come together. And I think we all need to look at ourselves and think. How can I do better? Because it's real easy to just kind of live in your bubble, right? In your world. And it's real easy to shut out things that don't directly affect you. But Jay, like you said, when you are trying to just leave your house and you're not sure that you're going to make it back, that's not okay for anybody. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. You should feel safe, okay? Um, And we just all really need to do better. So I support a peaceful protest. I absolutely do. I support anything that I can even do because I probably need to educate myself a little bit more and do more and be better. And I think we all do, but I, I can't support the violence. Like, I just... It breaks my heart to see businesses and cities and communities destroyed and burned to the ground. And it breaks my heart to see people who don't, you know, the violence on the other side. And it actually, I can't believe that it, we are so divided. Um, and it's very scary. And if there's a way that we could do this peacefully, that the message is heard, I am all about it, but not destruction and division and violence. No, I mean, you know, none of us want that. And sometimes, you know, people act out because they don't know what else to do. So again, I'm not obviously, you know, condoning what's, what's going on with that, but it's, it's a problem because it's been going on for so long, Damien. And I want to go to you here. It's been going on, you know, forever, as we can remember, in this country, and it just really hasn't gotten much better. A little bit better, you want to say, okay, but not much better at all, where we're still having this and we're seeing coaches that we know and players that we know crying their eyes out on TV talking about the situation. It's obviously a real thing. Nobody's making this up. We all know that. It's how do we do better? And I think one of the key steps, Damien, to getting closer to some positive change is empathy. I think we need to learn empathy. And that's what Nikki was alluding to over there a little bit. How can someone relate to another person unless they've either walked in their shoes or actually have listened to those who have suffered from police uh, police brutality or even just getting pulled over because you're a black man or woman? I, you know, I want some high profile people, which and there have been plenty to, you know, to have that voice and to have people listen and to recognize what's going on. I would love a Q&A session, you know, question and answers, big gatherings and groups where people can actually talk and, you know, really try not to, to scream and yell at each other, just talk. And if we can do that and understand that, again, violence isn't the answer, but understanding and empathizing and acting on that in the right way is easier for us to come together. I just think empathy especially from white people, is really important. And another thing, Damien, is just one thing that we all are going to have to realize, and it's so damn unfortunate, is that racism is just going to keep existing. It's how do we put a lid on it. I love what both you guys have said throughout the conversation. You guys have hit everything on the head. Um, With the boycott that the players did, especially the Milwaukee Bucks, by starting it off in that way. I don't want to disregard the Detroit Lions. They boycotted practice even before Milwaukee um, boycotted the game. Doing a boycott like that and catch people off guard, like you said, in the playoffs, right? you're fighting for a championship. There's so much money on the line for these players. The reason why they came up with the idea 
stuck in a bubble and battling the resources together and came with this great plan to be able to finish the season because there's so much money on the line for them to finish the season. And for them to put that in danger and say that there's more important things than us getting our full salaries this year or even affecting our salaries the next year if we don't finish the season because of what's going on in the country right now shows you what needs to happen, right? And for me, you said empathy. I always try to put myself in someone else's shoes when they talk about their struggle. Like, how would I adjust that situation? How would I try to get better or be better? Or how could I even exist in their world? And when you do that, when you look at a situation from someone else's eyes, someone else's view, if you can't have empathy after, after that, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like, I've had conversations with people about, you know, police brutality and being racially profiled, and sometimes their automatically, their automatic response is to defend the police, right? And the thing is, we're not anti-police. We're anti-police brutality. We're right. anti-the police racially profiling people or reacting a certain way because you see a black man or a black woman. So that's what we're trying to change. And my thing is, with the boycott, they did accomplish something as far as getting the different stadiums or different arenas set up for voters, for voter registration, for votes to be happening there because the voter suppression is a big thing in this country. And I love that we got an immediate impact from it. Because a lot of times when you have athletes protest and demonstrate, people don't know what the exact plan is, right? You get the message. Like, there's a broad message to what the NBA players have been doing so far in the bubble. But Black Lives Matter, we know Black Lives Matter, we see that message. We see the different messages on the back of the jerseys, right? But what's the specifics? That's what I want to see now. I want to see Milwaukee, us specifically, what people in Milwaukee can do there's a bill that they need to vote for. So it's a specific bill they need to vote for that can make things change, that can make action happen. And you know what? Oh, keep going. No, keep going. I wanted to play off that, but keep going. I'm totally listening. So, and because they came back, there's going to be some people who are like, oh, they came back, you know, the money talks, they're not really about the action. Them showing that they were willing to walk out there's enough action in itself. Because now, you see that we're serious. You see that we demand change. And like I said, you use a platform now that you're going to have from the games happening from this point forward to talk about those specific actions that we need. How do we specifically get police reform? How do we specifically get those people who have done wrong in a police uniform held accountable? How do we specifically get both suppression eradicated? Mm. I think that from this point forward, no more, we don't need the broad messaging. Like, okay, we still need it, but we need more specific messages on how to get the broad message out there and how to get the broad message of police brutality being anti-police brutality to the point where eventually one day when I get pulled over by the cops, my biggest worry is the ticket. 
Yes. Like, yes. That should be my biggest worry when I get pulled over by the cops is, man, I was speeding. I wonder how much this ticket's going to be. Right. Right. That's exactly how it should be for everybody. And you know what? That's a great way to, to, to put it right there. I know we're not done with this discussion, but to, to put a period on that sentence right there, that makes a hell of a lot of sense because you know what? I'm a white guy. And the first thing I think of is I'm getting a ticket and I don't think about those things because I'm white and I haven't had those situations happen to me. I've had you know problems with the police. Yeah. A, a lot of people have them when you're a kid and things like that, but not to this level. You made so many amazing points, and one of them is also the fact that the NBA tried so hard to get a season going and to play, and everybody was on board for the most part. All right, let's get into this bubble. Let's do what we got to do. And they were willing to boycott the playoffs, which was the pinnacle of where they're trying to get to, to get a championship this year, because this is so much more important. That is such an amazing statement to me. Nikki, I also want to run this. I want to run it both by you also. And also, Damien, voting is so important. That's another thing we've been hearing lately. It is, it, it's been important forever. And it's under, got to understand who we're voting for and why we're voting for them. Because we're not going to get change unless we vote the right people in Congress, Senate, you know, whatever it may be. But Nikki, a story I heard from Keyshawn Johnson just a few days ago is one that is, you know, just mind-blowing also. He gets pulled over. You know, because he is a black man, he wasn't doing anything. And then when the cops, you know, when he rolled down the window and they saw who he was, they're like, oh, oh, so hey, Keyshawn, what's up? Everything cool, you know? So right right there and then, that's just kind of showing you that I'm going to pull over this black man because let's see what I can get out of it or whatever it may be. And then it's a celebrity all of a sudden and it's all okay. That's BS. And I hate to to take it to a political direction, but that is just where we are at. And you guys are 100% right. I do hope that between now and an extremely important election, people really do take the time to educate themselves. And wherever you fall, right, on the political spectrum or your views or your extreme one way or the other, or maybe, you know, like me personally, I kind of fall in the middle. Um, and it's, it's difficult to be in the middle of a lot of um, political issues because there's really no one to represent you, you know. Um, you kind of just get all this noise from extremes on both ends. So, you know, I really, really, really urge people who are kind of in my boat, maybe they're in the middle, and you're seeing all this chaos going on, please take the time to educate yourself um, and maybe talk to people who are not necessarily as like-minded as you are to get some different perspective. And I really please do encourage everybody to vote because it is extremely important and we cannot, we absolutely cannot implement change if we don't do our part. That's right. That's right. We have to do it. And we have to come together as a people. It's so hard when you have 7 billion, but and nobody's going to think exactly the same way. Not 7 billion people for sure, but we got to do a lot better job. And Damien, to close out this segment over here and, you know, try to start having a little fun over here on third and three, but this was needed to be said and everything. You talked about the word specific specificity and getting to the core of, again, what the problem is and really attacking it from that standpoint. So if you can elaborate on that for just another minute or two, I would really appreciate it because that's something that really grabbed my attention. 
Yeah, so, like, as far as, like, say, in Wisconsin, where the Jacob Blake incident happened, there's a, a bill, and I do, forgive me, I can't remember the name of the bill right now, but the there's a bill that's related to police reform that's going to be up for voting. I want the Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA players, to put that bill on Front Street, saying that we need you to vote to pay on this bill to make this specific change. I like it. We need, we need this vote to happen to get this person office, because this person will put in this platform or this reform idea to help out with this. This person in this state will make sure that this happens. Like, just let us know exactly what to do and where to go to educate ourselves. Like, of course, I'm not saying you should listen to an NBA player and vote their way because they're a celebrity, but they can tell you where to go and you can look up information like for yourself, like Nikki said. I think most people do fall in the middle, right? The loudest voices are extreme left or extreme right. Right. But most people are in the middle. Like, we think certain things are conservative ways and certain things are liberal about. And there's no, like Nikki said, there's no one there to say, like, hey, I actually agree with liberals on this and conservatives on this. Can we meet in the middle somewhere? Unfortunately, it's become more of a contest of who can be louder on the right or the left instead of coming together and fixing the issue. It's more about who can argue on CNN or Fox News about being the loudest, right? And this last thing I want to just say, just to, like, put in perspective, the thought process of a, of a black man. So my California license, driver's license expired maybe I was beginning of this year. So I went to the Arizona DMV to get my driver's license right here. And there's an option if you're a veteran to show your veteran documents that you're in the military so they can put a veteran on your driver's license. And at first I was like, I don't feel like looking at my stuff to put it on my driver's license. But then I thought about it, and I was like, if I get pulled over by a cop, maybe he won't react that certain way if he sees the word veteran hmm. on my driver's license. Wow. And that shouldn't be part of my thought process of let me go ahead and get this doc- these documents together because me being a veteran will make this police officer hesitate on the action he might normally do to a black man. I don't even think about the fact that I thought about that in the process of doing something normal like getting my driver's license. That is really, really interesting. I've never heard that before, and obviously it makes a lot of sense. And again, something that Nikki and I had never had to think about. You know, again, that's what empathy is all about, is putting ourselves in other people's shoes and realizing what they have to do or not to do in order just to be safe. Uh, there's, so, uh, there's so much more that goes into it, and we could do a whole show on this. And I want to applaud both of you for making incredible statements. We're obviously all on the same team here, not on the show, but in life as well. And we'll do our part. Look, I'm trying to think of things to do. But again, that was a great point. Not having, you know, the the athletes who we follow and listen to on Twitter, who, you know, we kind of conform to what they're doing in certain ways. But, yeah, we all have our own minds. So, if they do come out and push for you guys to vote, for everybody to vote, I should say, excuse me, for every single person to vote, whether you're 18 or 81, whatever it is, to make change, 
yeah, they can help in that situation. So I think that goes a really, really long way and it makes a lot of sense. So I'm all about that. And totally, again, we all support the NBA boycott, what they did. We're also glad that they're back playing. And to get into that real quick, uh, the Lakers, they move on to the second round. So did uh, in the East, the Bucks, uh, who we were just talking about at start of this. And I just want to give a lot of credit also to the WNBA, who really doesn't get hurt enough that they were kind of the ones that almost started this entire thing with the movement and, you know, players not, uh, you know, opting out of the season so they can do a Maya Moore. Another example, WNBA was really on top of this, guys. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, as somebody who covers WNBA, uh, covers the same circuit for the three-point conversion, there's always been a league that is willing to, the players are willing to put themselves out there especially Maya Moore. The story about Maya Moore and her taking off two years to make sure that she got the gentleman out of prison who was in jail for 22 years but probably did not commit. It's unbelievable what she was willing to do is sacrifice. And you look at her resume as a basketball player, she's one of the greatest of all time, period. Like, woman, man, alien, doesn't matter. <laughs> she's one of the greatest ever do it. And the fact that she was willing to stop in her prime to take on this mission and accomplish this mission was awesome. And a lot of the other WBA players have that same, they're building that same club. They're willing to do that. And the demonstration that they've done during their time in what they call the wobble has been a, just amazing. Just amazing. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it really, Nikki, I know that you know about it also. Really, they, look, the women led the charge on this one. It really seems like they were the first to come out and do this. And I absolutely applaud them for what they're doing and, and just unbelievable stuff, like you said, Damien. Yeah, women leading the charge. That's usually how it goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that they don't. I am glad you brought it up because it's a shame that they, they didn't get enough credit for what they did. But you know what? I think the biggest takeaway of all this is, you know what, sometimes – be it sports or entertainment industry, whatever. Look, sometimes there are just things in the real world and in life that are just bigger than ourselves. And, you know, not everybody can just put their career aside and just go and do what is right. That takes a lot of guts. That is an extremely great thing to do. And I applaud everybody who has the, the balls to do it. No doubt about it. Absolutely. I just want to clarify one thing I said before. When I said you guys go vote, I was talking to the two of you, actually, which is funny. So I don't want to make it sound like it was some broad thing, whether it's, you know, this certain group of people or that, youngsters, people who are old, whatever. I just meant everybody. So I just want to clarify that real quick. Came out the mouth wrong. But uh, just to close out, we got, you know, more neighborhood news. We're talking about the NBA, the two teams that moved on. Now we got the Heat versus the Bucks. We got the Celtics versus the Raptors. Damien, those are really interesting battles. And it turns out that the Heat are the only team that beat the Bucks, uh, or I should say got the better of them in the series. I think that was two to one this season. So the Heat are no joke, and they beat the crap out of Indiana. So you think the Bucks got something to worry about? Yes, they definitely have something to worry about. I think that both series in the East will be awesome in the second round. I'm so looking forward to the game today between Boston and Toronto. Both series, you got teams that play defense. You have teams that are well-coached, teams that execute on offensive end. I can see the series going either way, right? Um, with Milwaukee, I'm thinking Milwaukee in seven, but a big party wants to pick the Heat. It's just tough to go against Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee and what they've done all year. But like you mentioned, the Heat did beat them in the season series. But the season series was so long ago now, it's like it's two different, it's like, so like it's two totally different teams because of everything that happened. But they still have that mental edge of saying, like, we beat you two out of three during the season, and we have a guy in Bam Adebayo who's one of the few gentlemen who's built in a way that he can slow down Giannis in some type of way. Yeah. So I think that series is going to be very interesting. Boston, Toronto, both teams are defensive clinics when you watch them. Like, I feel like high school basketball coaches should force their teams to watch that series. Like, this is how you play defense. I know most of the years are big now, but this is how you play defense. So I'm so excited for both series now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that Celtics Raptors series. We could see some seventy-five to seventy-two games. You talk about defense. That's no joke. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. Can't wait. Uh, the West uh, still trying to get it together. A lot of three-two series out there. The Clippers can close it out against the Mavs. The Jazz can close it out against the Nuggets, which is a bit of a surprise to some people. And the Rockets won last night to take a three-two lead over the Thunder. And my boy CP3. Let's see if they can come back and do something with that. So. That's the NBA right there. Of course, we got more coming up on the next show as we get into the second round of all that. But, uh, yeah, interesting matchups. Can't wait to watch NBA all day today here on Sunday. Third and three podcasts coming at you. Uh, A little bit more neighborhood news. Big trade that went down this morning that I heard. And this is a really big one for the Minnesota Vikings who um, don't have Everson Griffin anymore and can use some help with Daniel Hunter on the other side getting Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a few draft picks. I think they have like uh, – the Jaguars have something like eight picks in the first three rounds next year. So, obviously, they're setting up for the future. What does that do for Gardner Minshew? Are they tanking for Trevor and all that, like we were talking about, Damian? But that is a huge move, Damian, for a team in Minnesota that's already got above playoff aspirations. Yeah, it's a huge move. Uh, I want to give props to you. You're taking my position as the pronunciation guy. (laughs) 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 But, nah, it's a good move for Minnesota. Like you mentioned, with the loss of Griffin, they definitely needed to fill that hole in their defenses, which we'll get to a little bit later here. It is one of the better defenses in the league. So, when they add that, it just makes it so much better and proves that they are truly serious about being a Super Bowl contender this year. So I love the move on both ends. As you mentioned, Jacksonville, we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get better for the future. Honestly, they going to be with Minshew or with Sunshine from Clemson. But we'll definitely see going forward. I like the move on both sides. All right. All right. Very nice. Yeah, Nikki, they definitely uh, beefed it up over there, the Vikings. Um, yeah, they're looking to do something this year big time. That's why they got Cousins and, and all those other dudes. So let's see what happens. Um, Nikki, this is for both of you guys. Really funny before we get to the uh, next segment over here. Um, I'm watching training camp like I always do because I just want to get as much info as I can on all the teams. And I'm sitting back and I'm like, why are the 49ers never on training camp? And it bothered me. So I, I tweeted at Michael Irvin. I'm like, dude, what's up? Why don't you cover the 49ers? I didn't think in a million years he'd tweet back at me, but he did. He actually did. And he says, well, buddy, they're on the West Coast, so you're going to have to wait till like the later after later time. I'm like, well, what about the day before? Go over something that the NFC champions. And he's like, nope, sorry, dude. You're just going to have to wait. You'll run it back. Don't worry. And kind of like giving me a little bit because I said to him, like, are you just doing this because, you know, it's a 49er cow- cowboy rivalry? I'm like, what's up with all that? So we had a little fun on Twitter going back and forth, me and the playmaker. I enjoyed it. 
I enjoyed it, but at, I, I never see the Niners on on uh, on this training camp over here. It's always Tom Brady and the Bucks and what they're doing, and we're definitely going to be talking about them later. But uh, yeah, that's what all the news is. That's what they're talking about at a training camp, and who's going to be the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles? All right, who do you who do you, who do you guys think, Nikki? Real quick, we got like a minute and a half left. Who do you think is going to win that job? Nick Foles, you think? Uh, all right. Even though Trubisky's been there a couple of years, Foles is known to come in and do a couple of things as a backup, but mostly in Philly, right, Damien? So I don't know. Yeah, I think I would go Nick Foles because Trubisky is a guy who can look as – he can have good moments, but the bad moments are just bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles, you know, not the most mobile guy. Uh, Trubisky had a good second year. He was running around. They made the playoffs. He threw a little bit more accurately. But, yeah, I mean, going into year four now, like Nicky's always telling me, oh, it's now or never, that's it, do or die. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, same sort of thing. So, yeah. No excuses. That's right. No excuses. And we make none over here on the 3rd and 3 podcast. Our first segment is going to end right now, but we are coming back strong with our theme of the week, Mount Player Player Movie Soundtracks. Oh, man, I can't wait. Back in 60 seconds, guys. I know you're loving that right there. That's bringing me back. That is, oh my goodness, house party time, man. Now, play a play a movie soundtracks coming up on the third and three podcast. I'm with Dami and Nikki, myself, Jason Fearman. We are rocking and rolling. I uh, had a little serious talk in the beginning, and it was much needed. We needed to do it. And now we're going to get into the fun stuff for you guys. Nikki, Damien, y'all ready to roll? All right. Let's do this bad boy then. Like I said, now play a play a movie soundtracks. And I, again, you know, we don't rehearse a damn thing on this show. So I can't wait to hear what my partner's got going on over here. This is going to be awesome. Um, If you guys don't mind, I'm going to start out with my number one. Um, I got a lot of them and I know that we all got a lot of them, but we're going to try to keep it to our top four. My number one went back and forth between about three or four different movies. But when it came down to it, the soundtrack is just off the charts, and I know it doesn't have the nicest language in the world, but the movie is straight out of Compton. The soundtrack is out of control. It's gangster, gangster, boys in the hood, dope man, express yourself, blank the police, you know, all that stuff. I understand, whatever, but that movie was really, really good, and the soundtrack is amazing because that's what brought me back to hip-hop back in the day. These were the guys, even before Tupac and Biggie came along, that really got me into it, along with Dre and those guys. So I went with Straight Outta Compton, and those uh, those songs on there, again, are, which are real songs that they had made up, not just from the movie, but in real life. So putting that all together, uh, Damien, I'll go to you first. That's why I got this one in there. Nah, that's a great pick. Awesome pick. You can't go wrong with a music bio pick. Like, the soundtrack has to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a great pick, great soundtrack. 
and great artists. NWA definitely made their mark in history and will never be forgotten. So, Travis Thompson, great, great soundtrack. Yeah, very true. And ironically, it plays into, you know, what we were talking about before. That was completely unintentional, but... um. Maybe it's a movie that we should all watch and try to, you know, I've watched it a few times. Maybe everybody should. It might help out a little bit in the things we've been discussing. So, uh, uh, Nikki, that's what I went with with my first one. What's your first one? Well, I just wanted to shout out to you guys. I was on my list, too. I just love the I was touched on the plane. I forget where I was going. And my, my seatmate just kind of like, kept, like, go for a little bit. What are you watching? Straight out of Compton. Like, yeah, I think I just got a little aside. I am fascinated, and you're, I don't think anybody, unless you know me, probably understand this. I'm fascinated by the East Coast, West Coast hip-hop rivalry. Like, <laughs> I, you guys know me, I was not involved in the shootings of Tupac and Biggie. Like, I can get into it, but it is, like, my little side, like, you know how you have little, like, little niche interests? Like, that is one of them. And if you don't know me, people are like, what? Like, what are you talking about, Nick? I'm like, no. I am fascinated by it. So, Jay, I'm with you. Great movie, great soundtrack. And still relevant today, like you said. Yeah, it really is, really is. Again, like I said, totally unintentional, but um, it, it did work out that way. So I definitely recommend um, not only listening to that entire soundtrack, but watching that movie. All right, so uh, Nikki, what was your first one? My first one is Dirty Dancing. Okay. Not only okay. is it my favorite freaking movie of all time that I think when I was like three, my parents let me watch it, and I grew up, and my mom's like, oh, I, I, you know, I get a lot of flack, like, like why are you letting your daughter watch it? But they have to remember I was in dance class and it was just like to have the shiny shoes that she wears, that baby wears, and the pink skirt. Like, I knew these routines. I knew these songs. But <laughs> I, I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed. I can quote the movie the entire way. It's really annoying to watch. Okay? But I've had the time. Like, if that's not what for the best songs, I don't know what is. Nobody was and nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> no, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> yep. You know what? I'm not going to lie. And Patrick Swayze sang a few songs on that soundtrack also. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I never would have known that unless I was told. And you know what? I, I, I'm with you there. I'm a fan of Dirty Dancing. I am. And uh, some of those songs are pretty amazing. So, you know, I, I'll go with that, Damien. Not bad. Without a doubt. Yeah, I think everybody's seen Dirty Dancing pretty much. You know, that's like one of those movies that you just kind of have to see. So I'm all about it. All right, D, what you got? So for my first one, I got to go with the one where you played the song Ain't My Type of Hype by Full Force. That's from the movie House Party. Yes. And with me, I have this theory on music soundtracks for movies. Whenever the stars of the movie have a music background, I feel like they have to have a good soundtrack. It's probably their friends that are in the music industry are like, if this soundtrack isn't good, we're going to get on you about it. <laughs> <laughs> that the soundtrack is really good. And of course, Holland Party star, Kid and Play, who, you know, were famous rap group, late 80s, early 90s. And that soundtrack was just full, man. I mentioned the Aim My Type of Hype. You got the Kid versus Play scene 
in the movie where they rap against each other at the party. Yup. Which they, they made a song. Um, you got Always and Forever by Heatwave, where it's a, one of the funniest scenes where Martin Lawrence is singing in this girl's ear while they're dancing. <laughs> <laughs> She's just not feeling it at all. <laughs> He's singing his heart out out there on the dance floor. Um, Luther Vandross is on the soundtrack. LL Cool J, Eric B. and Rakim. When you talk about like the 90s house party and one, two, and three, definitely just give you a snapshot of what the 90s were. And that soundtrack is it, man. So I'm my first one. Uh, I am so with it, man. And that ain't ain't my type of hype. Every time that song, every time I hear it, which isn't often, obviously, it's not on the radio much, but that just brings me back to when Kid and Play were doing their dance thing and showing off in front of the girls and they had their routine and whatnot. Yo, that was a sick scene. I loved it. And Martin Lawrence being Bilal in that. I mean, <laughs> I mean just he, he was great. And, you know, it was funny that he was like the third guy in the movie, you know, the third star, whatever you want to call it. And he's the one who really blew up. So, I, yo, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that one. Nikki, what do you think? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it is homework time. You ain't kidding. All right, keeping it going with the Mount Playa Playa movie soundtrack theme. And I'm playing a song right now from one of the best. If you look, if you love rock and roll, then you love this soundtrack and you might love the movie. And if you were 16 when it came out, like I was, there's a lot to relate to in it. That would be Dazed and Confused, one of my all-time favorites. That movie's just great. That's like Matthew McConaughey's breakout movie, actually, which is really ironic. And he wasn't even close to a star in it. But if you love 70s rock, School's Out for Summer, Sweet Emotions by Aerosmith, Go Jim Dandy, Go Jim Dandy, they got that. No more Mr. Nice Guy, Free Ride like I'm playing right now. Why Can't We Be Friends, Slow Ride, Low Rider. Here comes the story of the hurricane. All these songs are in this movie. I mean, I can play the soundtrack over and over again and be extremely happy. And I would be a Mr. Nice Guy with that. I just think that, again, you love 70s rock. You got to love this. So that's where I went, Nikki. The soundtrack is killer. I can't believe oh, you got Damien. You ever see the movie? No, I gotta add it to my list. Oh my god, you're It's all good. It's all good. It happens. I know the rest of mine you guys definitely have seen, but we are ready to go to the next one over here. Nikki, I believe it's your turn. My turn. Okay, so I am going with Waiting to Exhale as my second one. Oh, great one. Mm, that is good. I feel like that is just 
timeless. It is like a celebration of like the best R&B artists that you've got. I mean, Whitney, Tony Braxton, Aretha, Brandy, TLC, Mary J. Blige, SWV, Patti LaBelle, Faith Evans, and Babyface produces almost all of it. I love that movie. And if you are walking away from a burning car, that is the soundtrack that you are playing. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo right there, Damien. I'm with that. That's a great one. That is a great one. Yes, um, I know that soundtrack very closely. My mom played that soundtrack so oh. much. Like when I tell you so much, <laughs> so much. So I knew every song on that soundtrack, even though at the time I was super young and didn't understand why she vibed with it so much. I definitely understand a lot more now why she loved that soundtrack so much. But yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And the reason my mom wanted to visit me when I first moved to Arizona is because that movie was set in Arizona. So <laughs> she ah. that movie and she loved that soundtrack, so a great choice, Nikki. Nice. Very good. All around agreement on this one. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, D, what's your number two? All right, so I stay with my theme of musical artists being stars in the movie that makes the soundtrack really good. And this movie is all time classic. Talking about Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so when you talk about Friday, there's so many great songs on the soundtrack that go with great moments in the movie. So, like, if you remember when Bernie Mac was running out of the house after he got caught with this guy's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get on up. Get up, my James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, it's a great, it's a movie that really was before his time it comes about it comes about the promotion of smoking weed. Right, right. And you gotta have great smoking weed songs to go with the soundtrack. Hell so yeah. You have Roll It Up, Light It Up, Smoke It Up by Factor Hill. Yep. You have Mary Jane by Rick James. Yes, yes. At the time, of course, I didn't know it was about marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Right, no. no. <laughs> Keep their heads ringing by Dr. Dre. I love that video. Yes. I love that song. Uh, they have so many great songs, man. I'm trying to see another day, but the Ozzy Brothers would open up the movie. Just a great way to open up the movie. Just an awesome soundtrack, man. So Friday, one of my favorite movies and favorite soundtracks of all time. Uh, no, I mean, you know, the, the soundtrack is fantastic. The movie is great. It just, it's, you know, like one of those cult classic movies, you know, even though they made uh, Next Friday and Friday After Next Friday. I actually love them all, but the original Friday, forget about it, man. Of course, Chris Tucker is smoking and you got Big Worm and Debo over there freaking out. Come on. Movie was just fantastic. And you know what? Ice Cube had to do what he had to do. He had to toss a brick at Debo. He wasn't going to beat him any other way. So, you know what? Threw the brick, took him down. Choked him out. End of story. I'm with you right there. Nikki, please tell me you saw Friday. Okay, well, here's the thing. I've seen, like, half of it because it play- I watch Bravo a lot, and he seemed to replay it a lot on Friday. You know, I just can't, you know, sometimes I but haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen half. All right. Oh, All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Netflix. I believe it's still on Netflix. You have to watch the complete Friday movie. You have to. Okay. 
Yeah, it, it's it's, it's a must. Kind of you, like, see it on TV, and, like, it's just that movie that, like, you've seen bits and pieces, but you never actually sat through the whole thing. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a movie, there's a movie, Interstellar, um, with Matthew McConaughey also. You know this movie? Oh, God, The only reason that I watch it is because I try to figure out what the hell is going on in that movie. So I know what you mean. Like, I've seen bits and pieces, and but never seen the whole thing altogether because it's just mind-numbing to me. But whatever. Whole other story altogether with that movie. Crazy. Anyway, all right, so we all got two in. I'm going to go for number three right now, and it's definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. We talk about a cult classic, and it's got amazing songs in it, like, You'll be a woman soon. And I'm talking about Pulp Fiction, of course, and then they got Comanche, Son of a Preacher Man, Let's Stay Together, Chuck Berry, You Can Never Tell. I mean, look, Pulp Fiction – unbelievable movie, crazy, insane things that we haven't seen before. We were children, but it was great. And then learning the soundtrack and, you know, knowing who would, great soundtrack, great movie, everything together, Quentin Tarantino masterpiece. So I'm all over Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What do you watch? What do you watch? Like bridal shows, like this reality stuff, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, The Bachelorette and all that stuff. Come on, watch some good no, movies. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I do watch Bravo. I watch, like, Oh, Damien, we're talking John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, uh, Ving Rames, not Ving Rames, what's his name? Um, is it Ving Rames? I think it is, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm losing my mind over yeah, here. But, Ving yeah, Ving Rames is in it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Marcellus Wallace, baby. I mean, that, that movie's freaking awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely a classic. Pulp Fiction is one that you have to watch as well. We want to make a whole Nikki list. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge with Nikki's. Knowledge with Nikki is taking on a whole new meaning right now is what's happening. We got <laughs> All right, so that's three for me. Nikki, let's name a movie that uh, you're number three, uh, whichever one you want, and hopefully we've seen it. I think so. I think the whole world has seen it. I actually have seen it Bodyguard was a very famous movie at that time. You know, having Whitney and Kevin Costner together, I, I, that was a that, that was a great pairing right there, Damien. You know, not my favorite movie in the world, but I, I hear where Nikki's coming from with that one. So, uh, yeah, very popular movie, no question about it. Yeah, I definitely think the soundtrack, great times in the movie, but the soundtrack is, is definitely awesome. And like Nikki said, I'll Always Love You is one of those songs that very few people can do. Yep. At that level. Very, very few people. So, yeah, I agree. If you're doing on the singing competition and you're going to do that song, there have been some people who have killed it. And usually, like, somebody who goes on to win, like Jennifer Hudson, someone like that, who can 
lead that to the great late Whitney Houston. Absolutely. I totally agree with that one. Nobody sung it better. Nobody ever will. No question. All right. Good job, Nikki. Uh, we got number three for Damien. All right. Should have seen that coming. We definitely should have seen that one coming, without a doubt. You know, yeah, of course. <laughs> no doubt. That, that, I'm not going to argue there again. You know, it's not my favorite movie, but the soundtrack kills, man. So I'm all about that. I'm all about that. All right, let's get to uh, the number fours over here. Again, there's a lot more, but um, I'm going to go with one where I probably couldn't name any of the artists that did any of these songs, but the movie and the soundtrack just are a perfect pairing. And it all came together in a time where things were getting a little bit more technical for us. And that would be The Matrix. So I went with The Matrix, not knowing who sings. Well, there's no singing at all. But the techno beat in everything and all the action, all that stuff put together is why I went with it. Again, I don't know where these songs came from, but techno was popular at that time. The Matrix was this crazy, insane movie. And I just all the songs and all the beats and everything that went together to make that movie more enjoyable with the fighting scenes and everything like that. I just think it all tied in together really well, Nikki. So that's why I went with uh, something like that and changed it up a little bit. Uh, I can't believe it. She's all she's done. Oh my god! I can't believe this. <laughs> have Have you ever seen any movie except for the three that you mentioned? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going. <laughs> Throw out movies, and then you would just be like, "Gosh, you kidding me?" Like, I, I know, I know. These yeah, are all. I, I know what the movie is. But I just, I don't think it's like my type of movie, so I don't think I was ever really that much. Give it a chance, would you? Oh my goodness, I am. <laughs> Nikki, I love you. You know, I love you, but I am stunned right now because these aren't like movies that, like, oh, you know, that was a really good movie back in 1983 that 14 people saw. These are like really popular movies that everybody's seen. Yeah, you know how like, my friends, family, husband goes through with me with movies. It is it, what you guys are feeling is what they feel all the time. So. Boy, oh boy, wow. All right, well, yeah, do me add that to the list just for the fun of it. But uh, yeah, Damien, again, you know. Uh, with the techno and everything like that, I just thought it all fit together. It's certainly not the best soundtrack of all time, but I just like the way it fit together, so I threw it in there. Yeah, no, it definitely fit the movie well, and you hear songs from that soundtrack a lot like highlight films. Like, if you go on YouTube, you watch like a basketball highlight reel, you'll hear songs from that soundtrack. 
Like, they go really well. Yeah. Like, same people get dunked on across over. So, I'm <laughs> familiar with it. I like that choice. It's a different choice. I like it. All right. All right. I appreciate that. All right. So, that was my number four of our Mount Player Play. We got two more over here with Nikki coming up and then Damien who I'm sure Nikki never heard of what the movie Damien's going to mention because she's on a roll with that. But, Nikki, it's your turn there, sweetie. Let's go. What do you got? All right. Number four. So I was going to go Mighty Ducks here, but then uh, this movie edged out for me. I don't, I don't even know if you guys saw it, but do you guys remember the 1996 version of Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Gaines? I remember it. I remember not watching it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> There's another one where, like, the soundtrack is probably better than the movie, but I feel like those are just snapshot for, like, 90s alt-pop culture. Like, we have Garbage, Everclear, Radiohead, The Cardigan Who Love Fool, Desiree, I'm kidding you. Like, I just think it's an amazing soundtrack. Put it on and just huh. jam out some old-school 90s. Well, the soundtrack sounds pretty interesting. I, I won't lie about that. Yeah. That's the movie, but yeah, I'm with Damien on the movie. Once I even heard it was coming out, I'm like, pass, not going to happen. But you know what, Nikki, for you, I will do it. Since you have to see 17 movies. I got you with that one. I hear you, <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. Oh, man. All right. So we got one more. Damien, close us out. Number four. Oh. Great, <laughs> great soundtrack. The movie's set in the 70s, so you have a lot of songs of meaning, a lot of songs that hit today. Like we talked about earlier, we're starting to count these songs to today as well. And plus, when you talk about, like, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, you remember the scene on the bus? Yeah. singing and they're getting on. Um, Julius is nervous singing the song on the bus. Uh, ain't too proud to big when you had the office alignment come up after this. I watched the accent to say something about one of his black teammates. He's talking about how Rev loves to sing that song. Like, you have so many great songs in the soundtrack. Call On Me by Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, Heard Through Grapevine by Marvin Gaye. Just a lot of Motown records, Temptations records as well. Great time for music and a great soundtrack that went along with just a great movie. No doubt. I am billion percent with you on that one you know that's my favorite football movie and the soundtrack is awesome it was on my list i'm not gonna lie uh it was on my list i just felt like i'll go with these other ones because i do a lot of football theme but yeah man and then the the one that they made up was like everywhere we go everywhere we go before the game coming out like in that you know fully function one football team coming together everything about that is perfect man so i'm with you on that and uh Another one to go along with that. Nikki, I hope that you've seen that movie and the movie that I'm going to relate to this one. Totally different theme, but a lot of the same music. Forrest Gump. You talk about a 70s soundtrack. That had every song you can ever possibly imagine. Much like, uh, um, excuse me, uh, Remember the Titans, which Damien knocked it out of the park on that one. That's a beautiful one. I'm all about it. Nikki, what do you think? <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. More bits and pieces, my goodness. Oh boy. But uh but, but you know who does have a great soundtrack? Space Jam. I know you guys still Yeah, yeah. 
Space Jam is a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's an awesome soundtrack. It is. Uh, it is. I wonder what Space Jam 2 is going to be like. That should be really interesting. I wonder what kind of soundtrack we'll get there. If that movie ever does actually happen. We've been talking about it for five years. So we'll see with that. But yeah, yeah Mal. actually like, um, released a video of LeBron like, in the jersey. So I do think the filming is done. Okay. Um, they just wait to release it. I think when people are allowed to go full on into movie theaters, when they're going to release it soon. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm sure they want that to be a movie theater blockbuster, which it will be. I mean, anybody who's a LeBron James fan or if you're three years old and you want to see cartoons, I, that forget it. That could break a lot of records at the box office. We'll see. Ah, so, yeah, you know, we know. Hey, look, we love our football. We love our music, too. That's why we had to go with this one. Uh, Mount Play, playing movie soundtracks was the theme. Had a lot of great ones out there. And I was surprised that we all didn't pick uh you know, at least a couple of the same movies, you know, so that, that worked out pretty well, even though Nikki hasn't seen any of the ones that we talked about. Still worked out well. <laughs> so she's got homework. We all got homework. I got to check out the office soon. And uh, we got more coming up for you guys. Look, we got knowledge with Nikki. It's her turn to get back at us. So I'm wondering if she changed her questions during the middle of the last segment just to destroy Damien. And I will say about that. But before we do get into that, we're going to do NFC Conference, we're going to do the top five quarterback, running back, receiver, and defense. Uh, as you guys know, we did that with the AFC. We went through everything. We did our full division breakdown in the NFC over the past four shows. And now we're ready to wrap it up into one nice little basket for you, give you an idea of what we're thinking, who's going to the playoffs. Predictions coming up next week is, guys, football's in two weeks. Can you believe this? Two Yay! weeks. I mean, thank goodness. Yeah, we got the Chiefs and the Texans, uh, you know, kicking it off over there and then full go on Sunday, man. I cannot wait. This is going to be just oh, forget it. Football really, really snuck up on us this year. And yeah, it's been something else. We're going to talk a lot of football and the sloppiness that's been going on and training camp issues that we got going on over here. Damien, people are getting hurt left and right. And the one indicated to me is the hamstring in the last like minute that we have over here. When you have hamstring issues, that means that you have not been stretching properly and working out. And I see a lot of hamstring issues. Yeah, you definitely. You got to think with COVID, they haven't been able to do their normal routines in the offseason. So that's something that we're going to see. And somebody who's pulled a hamstring before, we think of it, oh, they pulled a hamstring. No, when you pull a hamstring, it's a serious issue that can linger for a very long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that yeah, you can cramp up. You know, you've seen the best of them just like fall to the floor. It's a, it hurts. There's no doubt about it. No question. So, yep, it's going to be football time coming up next for you guys. Quick 30-second uh, uh, wrap-up over here. We're going to come back, third and three podcasts. Nikki, Damien, and Jason with you for another hour. Right back with you. Again, continuing with our theme over here on the Third Three Podcast, it's all about social justice over here. This is the story of the hurricane, the man the authorities came to blame for something that he had never done. Hear the music yourself, listen to it, important stuff. Bob Dylan right there. Here we go, Third and Three, back in action, coming at you right now. NFC Conference Top 5 by Team. It is time. We did the NFL 
Oh, excuse me. We did the AFC entire conference. We did the NFC entire conference. Now it's time to wrap it up into one nice little ball over here and pick our top five in running backs, quarterbacks, receivers, and defense. So, my friends, are we ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. Let's do this thing. Damien, why don't you take us, uh, kick us off over here, bro? So, start with the QBs and the NFC. See, I think you have to start with Russell Wilson at number one. We've talked about him. That's Nikki's pick for MVP this year. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully he gets it. Uh, At number two, I got Aaron Rodgers. He's still a bad man. (laughs) And, you know, his interception to touchdown ratio is ridiculous. Just ridiculous. He's still very, very good. I feel like people are trying to write his obituary as a quarterback too soon. Mm-hmm. He's still very, very good. Second best in the NFC, in my opinion. Third, got to go with my man, Drew Brees. From the Saints, even at 41, still pushing most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Four, a lot of people have him as the GOAT, but we all three of us agree that he's one of the greatest of all time, but not the GOAT just because of the Super Bowls. Tom Brady. And at five, this is where it got a little tough for me. There's a lot of competition out of a five for me, but I decided to go with Carson Wentz. I feel like his upside as far as his overall talent. And we mentioned how I think he has A-plus talent or A-plus ability. And Carson Wentz can get to that level. So I put him at number five. So I have Russell Wilson for Seattle, Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers, New Orleans, Drew Brees, Tom Brady from Tampa Bay. <laughs> so ridiculous that he, <laughs> he like that. And Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles in my top five for the NFC. You know, Nikki, if you don't mind, I'll go next because I had yeah. the exact same thing as him, except I did flip Brady and Brees. And look, I have Brady at three and Drew, and, um, and Drew Brees at four, but honestly, you can really flip-flop them. And I did have Carson Wentz at five also, man. I was thinking about Dak Prescott a little bit, but I just think I like Carson Wentz's ability, ability a little bit more. So that's really funny, man. You know, I think Russell Wilson, best quarterback in the league. Like you said, people are trying to write off Aaron Rodgers. He, he can have an unbelievable season. And like you said, his touchdown interception ratio is insane. Uh, again, more with Brady and Breeze, you can interchange him with three and four if you want. And then five, I went Carson Wentz. So uh, great minds think alike there, bro. Yes, but no, Nick's about to throw a wrench in. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, I I went Drew Brees two. Uh, I went Brady three because this is a new system. But listen, all his accomplishments in New England still do hold weight. I went Aaron Rodgers four. I had a tough time here. I got to tell you guys, Carson Wentz didn't even enter my mind at five. I actually was tossing up Matt Stafford and Dak Prescott. I ultimately went with Dak here. I just think he's efficient and he's thriving in a Kellen Moore offense. And he's got a damn good wide receiving core. So um, that's where I fell. Yeah, you know, Damien, I guess when it comes to, you know, wide receiving core, which we're going to get into, which goes along with the quarterback, obviously, Dak does have better weapons. I don't really think you can argue that at all. Um, looking at an individual standpoint, yeah, like I said, a slight edge for me with Carson Wentz. And you had Aaron Rodgers at four, Nikki, which I find interesting, but that seems to, like Damien was saying, going along with the norm lately. 
And I'm just not buying it. I think he had, what, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions last year when you had only Devontae Adams to throw to. So, I don't know. I just can't put him above Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson. Like, it's just that the NFC is stacked. And I think, I know he's going to play the chip on his shoulder. I just, I don't know how do you put him above Tom Brady. I, I can understand. I can understand, Damien. Yeah, no, that's a great argument there. I think, of course, we're talking all the time. You can't put him above Drew Brees and Tom Brady yet. I think right now at this moment, you're talking about his arm talent and his mobility and what we've seen him do with maybe less talent around him than Brady and Brees have had at times. That's why I have him at number two. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I agree with you. I still think, you know, he's not the Aaron Rodgers that he was, you know, five years ago even or whatever, but it doesn't matter still. You know, 85 90% of him is a lot better than 100% of others. But, all right, yeah, at least obviously we had him in the top five. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of the same players in there. Like I said, Nikki, you know, I don't blame you for putting Dak Prescott at five. I went back and forth with Carson Wentz. Let's do running backs over here. And the only reason I'm going first is because the 49ers are number one on my list. Uh Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, finally going to be in uniform this year. Please let everything go fine in training camp. We've been big on him for a while since acquiring him from Minnesota. He played for Detroit for a minute or two. So we got Raheem Mostert. We got him. We got Jeff Wilson Jr. coming back. What they do with Debo Samuel. Even Kyle Juszczyk I'm putting in there as one of the few fullbacks in the league. So I'm going there with the running backs. Number two, I went Cowboys because Ezekiel Elliott is who he is. And Pollard is an excellent backup. Uh, maybe not excellent, but a very viable backup. So I like them two over there. Three, I went Panthers because it's just Christian McCaffrey's show all alone. He doesn't have much to back up over. Yeah, he's got Davis. That's fine. But putting it all together, I went with the Panthers three. Nikki, I went with the Giants four. Saquon Barkley. I mean, what more can you say? The guy is absolutely incredible, and he may be a one-man show. I think they picked up Deion Lewis this year, I believe, to make to take some slack off of it. But Saquon Barkley's great. And five, I got the Vikings with Dalvin Cook and one of the better uh, backup running backs in, uh, in Alexander Madison over there. So 49ers, Cowboys, Panthers, Giants, Vikings are my top five running backs. What say you, Damien? That's a very interesting order. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but it's, you make a great argument for it as well. Um, I went Carolina first, even though it's a one-man show. That one-man show is an awesome one-man show in Christian McCaffrey. It is. With two, I went with Dallas with Zeke. Um, we did the NFC East. I struggled with Zeke and Saquon, and Saquon but I got to stick to my guns and go with Zeke over Saquon. Three. The Giants had to give Nikki's Giants some love. Saquon's absolute monster at three. Four, I went with San Francisco. You mentioned those guys and their running system that makes those backs so good. And five, I really struggled because I wanted to put my Saints in there with Primera and Murray. I feel like that's a great combo. But Dalvin Cook, mm. Madison, after giving the slight edge at five in Minnesota. So I went with. Carolina, Dallas, New York Giants, San Francisco, Minnesota, then an honorable mention for my Saints. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that too. I like to do. Before I go to you, Nikki, real quick, um, yeah, I, I can't put much argument there, especially when you're talking about individual players like Saquon, Zeke, and you know, Christian McCaffrey, but 
You said it, Damian, the 49ers running back system. They may not have the best running backs in the league, but their system is what makes them great. So that's why I went with them, number one. Maybe that's a little, you know, home bias over there, but I understand why you have the uh, order that you do. But we do have the same teams in there, so that's something. Nikki, what do you got? So, you know, it seems like a lot, you know, we're really on the same page with the teams. The order is a little different. And uh, you know what, Nikki, you make a great case for the Saints. And I'm sure Damien was smiling when you were talking about it because, yeah, you got Alvin Kamara, who's who who is definitely a hybrid. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And then you got Murray backing him up. So, uh, you know what, number two, I, I may not agree there, but uh, you know what? I, I can see them in the top five, Damien, definitely, like you were talking about. Yeah, like I said, I didn't want to be a homer so that's why I was kind of like uh, would it be a homer pick to put them over Minnesota <laughs> so I was going back and forth with it but I'm glad that Nikki said it so I didn't feel like such a I got you. <laughs> <laughs> she had you back right there all right all right so uh so far a lot of agreeing not necessarily the the orders uh per se but um the team's right there so yeah that's it goes to show you listen to what we're talking about here on third and three you know we know what we're saying wide receiver time Nikki why don't you start us off basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Since we just did it last week, I probably don't have to go too much into it. I went Tampa Bay 1, uh, Saints 2, Atlanta 3, Dallas 4, and I actually went Detroit 5. I'm telling you guys, look out for them. Um, I did tight end separately. I don't know if you guys incorporated them in your rankings, but just pure ride receiver, that's where I went. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And yeah, it's a lot of NFC South, uh, Damian, no doubt about it. Um, I'll take it and let you close us out over here and take us home. Bucks one. I think one team you forgot, Nikki, is the Cardinals, too. I mean, you talk about D-Hop, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, you know. So, Kyler Murray, again, improving. I think that the Cardinals, number two, they're going to – wow, I, I'm not sure how many yards he's going to throw for, but it's going to be big time. So, Bucks one, Cardinals two. I went Saints three. Michael Thomas finally has somebody over there to help him out in Emmanuel Sanders, throwing Taysom Hill. Um Excuse me, a tight end. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Cook, Jared Cook, off the top of my head. Uh, number four, I went Falcons. Look, I love Calvin Ridley. I love Julio Jones. They bring in Hayden Hurst at tight end. So, yeah, I do talk about the tight ends. So, I got the Falcons at four. And number five, I struggled with a lot, guys. I was thinking Cowboys, Rams. I went back and forth because the Rams got Robert Woods. Now, Cooper Cup is healthy. Tyler Higby. But the Cowboys got rookie C.D. Lamb, who he was a top 15, 16 pick or whatever, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Um, you know, Michael Gallup's not this, that, not the greatest thing in the world. But overall, I, I did go Cowboys 5 over the Rams, but it was really, really close. So, again, Bucks, Cardinals, Saints, Falcons. Then I went Cowboys slash Rams with that one, Damian. Yeah, I went Cowboys 5, Falcons 4, Rams 
Okay. No, I definitely. I can see that order. Uh, for me, I agree with the first four. I went Tampa Bay, Arizona, Saints, Atlanta, all those teams full of weapons. And you have probably the three best receivers when you talk about Arizona with D-Hop, New Orleans with Kent Guard Mike, and Atlanta with Julio Jones. In there, the Tampa Bay, you have two number one receivers and Mike Evans, Godwin, and tight ends with Gronk and with Brake and also with Howard there. Five I did struggle with. The five I went with Seattle because mm. I love the connection between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and the monster that's going that's going to turn up from the young rookie from last year in DK Metcalf. I think it's gonna he's gonna blossom into one of the top receivers this year. So I went Tampa Bay, Arizona, New Orleans, Atlanta, Seattle, my top five. All right, that is interesting. Seattle really didn't enter my mind too much, uh, Damian and Nikki. I was, you know, but um, yeah, DK Metcalf, yeah, he showed what he can do last year. And if Tyler Lockett is healthy, him and Russell Wilson, you're right, they have one of the best connections in the league. This is not, you know, I don't know how much more there is outside of that. I'm not sure if Will Disley is playing this year. Um, but that's an interesting pick, Nikki, with uh, Seattle at five over there. Yeah, we both went a little rogue. Seattle, I went Detroit. But I just think, listen, like Jones, Galladay, Amendola in the slot, I think they have like a real big deep threat potential. I don't sleep on Detroit. That's all I'm trying to say. You know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you a little bit. Uh, I'm with her, Damien. You know, I think Detroit's going to be better this year, and a lot obviously depends on can Matthew Stafford stay healthy. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. If Stafford's healthy with those guys and his arm, they definitely can be one of the best combinations in the league. It'll lead to like six wins, but it'll <laughs> 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 be one of the best combinations in the league. Right? That'll be the best six wins you've ever seen in your entire life. No kidding. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Nikki. That's, that's, that's compelling right there. That definitely does make a lot of sense. I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. Pretty good. So um, we also got our defense that we want to go through real quick. So why don't we hit that up? Uh, Nikki, you want to start us off? Sure. I have to regretfully start off with the Eagles. And believe me, I don't want to, but I think that – uh, I have them here for consistency. They are always have top talent. They have a ton of depth. They have one of the strongest defensive lines in the league. They just cannot get rid of Fletcher Cox. Dude is a nightmare, but he's like one of the best power rushers they have. He generates a ton of pressure. So breaks my heart, and I don't want to, but I went <laughs> Philly 1. Jay went your Niners 2. I went Rams 3. I went Washington four, and when we do bold predictions, I can get into it a little bit more. Mm. Um, and I, well, I had the Bears five, but then I'm thinking maybe I should do Minnesota, but I really went for the one-man show, Khalil Mack. I know it was a little bit of a down year, but he is a game changer, and I'm all about the game changers. So they have a little concern at depth, but I'm, well, now I'm thinking I should change it to Minnesota. But again, it's, <laughs> I feel like when I get to five, it starts becoming a toss-up, so... Yeah, I think you're right with that also. There's a few, you know, talk about uh, Seattle even and the Bears, like you mentioned, and then now, you know, throw in Minnesota into the mix, who is probably in there already. And now, you know, getting in Gawkway is just that much more. Harrison Smith over there in the secondary. Yeah, very good. All right, Nikki, I like that list. Um, and especially the way you talked about the Eagles and put your bias aside. 
The Eagles are on my list, no doubt. I'm going to get to them in a second. I did go, you know, Homer style with the 49ers, but I really do believe they have the best defense in probably the entire NFL next to maybe Baltimore with the front four. They got great young linebackers who cover up for, I'll be honest, you know, a mediocre secondary, but Richard Sherman, Emmanuel Mosley covering the corners. I'm pretty happy over there with the Niners. Two out went Packers. People forgot that the Packers last year had an amazing defense with the Smith brothers. They were picking balls off. Uh, look, they didn't score a lot, a whole bunch of points. But the reason why Green Bay was really 13-3 and last year or, or whatever their record was, was because of that defense. They didn't score a whole lot of points. So the Packers, two on defense. Eagles, three. I could have put them at two for sure. But the Eagles are in there for all the reasons you mentioned, Nikki. And I went with the Bears at four also. So you're not crazy at all with that one. <laughs> no, you're really not. The Bears, you know, despite having a horrible offense, put that defense in a terrible position. So they're much better than what people even think. And that's year in and year out. And five to close it out. It breaks my heart, but I did go with Seattle. I mean, when you're getting a guy like Jamal Adams on your team, then holy Moses. And plus what they can do up front and – this is a great, uh, still a great defense year in and year out. Seattle, it's not you know the legion of the legion of boom, but uh, Damian Seattle can still play ball on defense. So Damian, 49ers, Packers, Eagles, Bears, and Seahawks. What do you got going on? I love both of you guys' picks. Um, I went just a little bit different in the order. I had San Fran first, so I did give your team some love there. Thank you, sir. Went Eagles second. All the things that. Nikki mentioned Cox, man. Oh, my God. When you watch the game and you watch what he does on offensive line, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. Like, he's, like when he's played against us, poor Andres Peak, our guard, hasn't looked much worse. Like, I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> much worse in the game. Um, after that, I went with Chicago. Their team as a whole – our defense as a whole is very good. Lil Mac didn't have the stats, but his impact was still good. He got double and triple team, which freed up everybody else. Right. If their offense was any good last year, we would have heard more about the defense. Um, I had to go with Minnesota. I think that defense is going to be even better than it was last year. Seattle, I thought about, but I feel like they need more than just Jamal Adams, even though he's going to improve them. So at five, I went with the Saints. When healthy, they had the top rushing defense last year, and they got rid of Eli Apple. Which is going to improve your defense immensely. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Oh, I, I can't with that guy. I know you both love that right there. If he comes to the 49ers, then I'm going to really freak out. So we don't need that. All right. But jeez. No, nah, that's good, man. Yeah. So for my order, I went San Fran, Philly, Chicago, Minnesota, New Orleans. All right. All right. We have a lot of the same teams in there, no doubt. New Orleans, I'm not going to give you anything for that, man. They they really do have a very good defense. It just gets overshadowed, overshadowed by that offense a lot, no doubt. So I do like that very, very much. All right. NFC, we close it out over there. We got predictions coming up next week, records, all that sort of stuff. But I think you know what time it is right now. Tell them what time it is now. This is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top of the trick. Here we go. Train to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time is tricky. It's tricky, tricky, tricky. All right, my tricky Nikki G. It is your time to shine over here. <laughs> I love that 
Yeah, I, yeah, that's going to be almost impossible. I, that was the funniest thing I may have ever heard in my life. guess though that's that's really yeah. good i'm gonna go with the first one that popped in my head um avengers endgame yes all right very good all right they popped in my head immediately i just remember them saying they made so much damn money off that one all right point for jason Great shout out by you, because that was a loss that we didn't even know about him having cancer for that long. And yeah, it's very upsetting. He was only 42 years old. So yeah, that that's that's a rough one right there. But all right. Yeah, next one for Damien. Next one for Damien. How many Oscars has Meryl Streep been nominated for? Oh my God, I know it's a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's been nominated for, I'm going to say... 13? No. Jay, you want to steal? Yeah, I, this is a pure guess because I'm, I, I know it's been a lot, definitely. So, uh, uh, eight? No. 21. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. She's the only one, three of them. Really? Wow, she would not have a good batting average if she played baseball, if that were the case. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dee, I think this one you got. How much power does it take to fuel the flux capacitor in Back to the Future? <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that one. Oh, oh really? <laughs> no, it's not one of my movie quotes that I remember. Yeah, I think I got it, and I'm gonna try to use his voice a little bit. One point twenty one gigawatts. I've seen that movie too many times. Great Scott, 1.21 gigawatts. That was pretty good, Jay. Thank you, thank you. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right, D, number four. What was the first sports... Uh, wait, yes. What was the first sports film to win an Academy 
Award for Best Picture? Ooh, first sports film to win Academy Award for Best Picture. I got to go with Rocky. Yeah. Oh, nice call. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, that's smart thinking. Very good, bro. All right, Dean. Uh, last on one. Uh, yeah, on the board. <laughs> Okay, so you said again he was nominated for he won no, two. He won. Tom Hanks won two Academy Awards for Best Actor. One of them was Forrest Gump, and what was the other movie? All right, um, I got a couple in mind. Let me try to make this quick. Oh. Philadelphia. No, you know, am I Googling? I said they were, that Meryl Streep won eight freaking things and it was 21. Am I Googling? All right. We are three to one. End of round one. Here we go. Moving on to Jay. What, Jay, what is the name of the skyscraper in Die Hard? Oh, oh, oh man. How do I not know this? Oh, son of a, I feel I'm going to curse a lot right now. Damn it. <laughs> Wait, oh, come on. Skyscraper. This is such an easy question. I should know. I pass. Oh, do you, do you know? Uh, is it Sears Tower? No. What's the name of the skyscraper? I didn't need my pronunciation. Nakatomi Plaza? Oh, yeah. All right. That's... Uh... Uh, oh, oh. Jay's so mad at himself. I am mad. <laughs> Well, one thing is that I probably couldn't pronounce it correctly. That was the other thing. So I would have needed Damien's help on that one. That's number one. So. Oh, boy. Wow. All right. Good question, though. I should have known it. All right. Number two. What flavor Pop-Tarts does Buddy the Elf use in his spaghetti? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Pop-Tarts does he use in his spaghetti? Yeah, you know the scene where he's just eating everything in sight? Nope. Not at all. So this is a pure guess you right here. Elf? No, I actually didn't. So I guess that's on my list, huh? <laughs> oh. Dee, have you seen Elf? You've got it. You've seen Elf, right? I think I've seen it once, but Oh my god. All right. I'm take I'm just gonna take a pure guess. So it's Pop Tarts, you said? Yeah. I've got strawberry? No. All right, no clue. Makes sense. I'm gonna go with uh, cookies and cream. No, mm. actually, just chocolate. All right, you guys. Uh, ah. We're gonna have a serious discussion about Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! All right, Jay. Number three. For what movie did Steven Spielberg win his first Oscar for Best Director? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Damn, really? Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with E.T. Schindler's List. Oh, son of a gun. All right. 
Good question, Nikki. That was a good question. Good question. All right, I'm ready. Number four, here we go. What movie was incorrectly announced as best picture at the 2017 Academy Awards? Fences. No. It wasn't? Nope. Oh. Do you want to try? Uh, I'm trying to remember which one was the one that was the mistake. Uh, man. I think it was Moon like that one, correct? And then, yeah, who did they say? Maybe hearing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the whole like the whole F was up there. Yeah. And it was like oops, like <laughs> Yeah, they screwed that one up pretty good. <laughs> All right, Jay, last one for you. What was Quentin Tarantino's first feature as a writer slash director? Quentin Tarantino's first Quentin Tarantino's first writer slash director. Um I'm going to have to say, oh, what's the name of the movie? I know it. Um, oh, my God. I, I know the name. I know the movie. I'm thinking Michael Madsen and they got the guy locked up in the, the cop and the thing. How come I can't think of the name of the movie? I know it. Um, Mr. Pink, Mr. White, Mr. Black, Mr. Brown. What's the name of the damn freaking movie? Um, oh, my God. I've seen it a million times. Um, you got to give me a second. Hold on. I know this movie. It's just coming to my head, please. <laughs> so funny. You get so mad. <laughs> I do. I get, I get mad at myself when I know something. Um, I forgot the name of the movie. I forgot it. Do you know? Is it Reservoir Dogs? That's what I was getting! That was it. I even named all the freaking characters and I couldn't get the damn name of the movie. Son of a gun. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm pissed. Oh, You're right. Yeah. Nice job, guys. We end three to two. Thanks for coming to the movies with me this week. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show. I actually really did. I enjoyed that yeah. a lot. Yeah, I liked the, the mix-up of the movie trivia. It was pretty good. That was pretty good. I definitely did not see that one coming. That was Knowledge with Nikki. And, yep, she had our turn at us over there. That was pretty good. Damn, I can't believe I couldn't get the name out, Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Yeah, it's messed up your whole week now, I know. No, it really did. It really did. I basically went through the entire movie, naming scene by scene. I couldn't get the damn name of the movie in my head. But, all right, Damien, good job out of you. You took it. So, uh, I guess three to two to me this week. All right, only by one point. By one point. That's knowledge with Nikki, and she is tricky. Unbelievable. All right, good job, Nikki. Clapping it up for you. Excellent, excellent. We got a couple more things to get into over here. We got great debate and we got bold predictions. So we're going to start the great debate. And the theme of that this week is best head coaches to never win a Super Bowl. Not even one. So even if they got there, they didn't win, whatever. So best head coaches to never win a Super Bowl. Great debate happening now. Let's see if we name the same. Let's see if we go in different directions. Damien, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. I have a few names, but the 
one that I've decided to go with, I mentioned him last week when we did the head coach and the quarterback combinations, and that's Don Correll, Darrell Correll. When you think about coaches who didn't win a Super Bowl, I start thinking about coaches who had an impact on the league. And I feel like we still see the impact of his offense today, right? Dan Faust throwing the ball over the yard, was ahead of his time, and would fit in today, like just seamlessly, his offense would fit in today. And he would be able to do so much more today with just the technology of studying defenses, knowing what's coming, and he's probably set the groundwork for, say, Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl, for other offensive geniuses to be in that conversation, and for it not to be all about defense. We know for a long time this league was all about defense and running the ball, three clouds of dust, yep. and you know every inch matters. And I think he really was one of the forefathers of changing that and making the game more exciting. So when I think about the greatest coaches to not win a Super Bowl, I got to go with Eric Carell, Don Carell, as my pick. You know, that's a great one because it, it hadn't crossed my mind. And for, you know, because they, they did go to the one Super Bowl uh, against Pittsburgh and, you know, we, they lost. I think they got crushed in the game. But besides that, like you said, with Dan Fouts and throwing the ball downfield, spread offenses at times and things like that. Yeah, it was very innovative. There's no doubt because the only other team I can remember doing that after them was really um, uh, Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins who started throwing the ball all over the place. So, yeah, you're right. Um, Carell and, and, and Fouts, they set the tone for that. That makes a lot of sense. That's a really good one and a sneaky one, man. I give you props on that. Thank you, sir. That is a sneaky one. All right, good. Nikki, we're going to save the best for last, and that would be you. I'm going to go to mine. Um, old school – but you're going to understand why when I tell you right now that this guy coached four Super Bowls, lost all of them, and his name isn't Marv Levy. His name is Bud Grant. He was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings for 18 seasons. 18 seasons. Never won a Super Bowl, but went to four. Lost them. To who? The best teams in the league at that time, the Raiders. The Steelers, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, who that, that was their first loss in Super Bowl four. When you talk about a guy who's been with an organization for almost 20 years, he's respected by his players, by his peers, personnel, manager, general manager, president, owner, everything. So for a guy like that to be around that long, keep his job after constantly losing, but also in a way winning in the NFC. Yeah, I got to go Bud Grant, 18 years, four Super Bowls, lost them all, but lost them to the best teams in the league. So that's why I I had to go there. I had a few other guys in my mind, but that's so impressive to me that it it had to be it, Nikki and Damian. I had to go there. That's a very good pick. I like that pick a lot. When you think about coaches who had consistent success but just couldn't win the big one, and it wasn't any fault of their own. Like you said, they ran into some of the best teams of all time during that time. But Grant definitely is in the conversation. He's one of the guys I wrote down. So I like that. Ah, no doubt. No doubt on the same page. And like I said, saving the best for last over here, Nikki. I can't wait because thinking about Giants head coaches, but you can't go Bill Parcells. You can't go Tom Coughlin. So what are we going to do over here? 
tricky ones in this segment. Man, okay. I actually, I think this coach is overlooked sometimes and kind of gets lost in the conversation. Sometimes you forget about him. A little bit more recent, but he did lead two different teams to the Super Bowl, and there's not many coaches out there that can do it. I'm talking about John Fox. Oh, Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, okay, the soul-crushing loss to the Patriots on that last-minute field goal from Adam Vinatieri. Then, you know, we get get there with Peyton Manning, on the back to Peyton Manning. We couldn't do it and could not overcome Seattle. I know 40 to 3, or 4 to, yeah, 43 to 8. That was a joke. But listen, his regular season record, 133 and 123. Postseason, he's 8 and 7, right? Did you guys, he has six division champion titles, a mm-hmm. winning record in the playoffs, and after the bye week, his teams went 10 and 3. So I think overall, is he the greatest? No, but I do think it's a coach that gets over. Looked, and I just wanted to shout out and show a little love for John Fox. Yeah, well, he definitely gets overlooked. There's no doubt. He didn't cross my mind either, but he he deserves to be in there. You're right. You take two different teams to the Super Bowl. That's fantastic. You know, we talked about that actually on one of our past shows about, um, you know, uh, I think it was in Tricking. It was in uh, Knowledge with Nikki, as a matter of fact. You know, coaches take multiple teams to Super Bowls and whatnot, but – yeah, I mean, that that's a great one. You know, things that he did in Chicago also. So he's been around a little bit. And uh, John Fox, yeah, not somebody you would think of right away, Damien, but she makes a nice argument. Yeah, he definitely had some, some good times as coach. It didn't end well. I think that's why a lot of people kind of forget about him in the conversation. It seemed like the game kind of passed him by as – you know, his career ended, and a lot of people remember that more than the success. So I'm glad that you brought him into the conversation. Yeah, nice job. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, John Fox. And we'll see what's next with him if that, uh, if anything occurs. Carolina also, yeah, he's coached so many places. All right, so that was the great debate about best head coaches who have never won the Super Bowl. We named three that are great. There's a few more out there that we can even get into at another time. But it is time to make some bold predictions right now. And uh, hmm, I got a, I got an interesting uh, couple over here. Uh, I don't know who we're going to start off with. Who, 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 who's feeling it right now? Who's feeling confident? Nikki, yeah, you know I'm what? You, you know no, what? You, you kick it off. You're feeling it. You sure are, because you, you teased a good one over there, and I can't wait to hear it. So you know what? Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll save that for a second. All right. Here are my two, one by one, obviously. The first one, Jordan Love will start – this season, not start opening day, but he will start games this season, most likely the last couple of games for a few reasons. One, I believe this is Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay. He's going somewhere else, which goes into the bold prediction. I think he's really just had enough. And this is Jordan Love's team. Now you drafted him the first round for a reason. I know they did the same thing with uh, Rodgers and Favre, you know, way back when, but things are different now. So I don't think that Green Bay is going to be that great of a team this year. And due to that fact, they're going to want to see what they got out of their young, uh, you know, new quarterback in Jordan Love. So weeks 15, 16, 17, watch out. I think that guy's going to be playing. And in conjunction with that, I think that Aaron Rodgers, this will be his last year in Green Bay. I have another bold prediction we'll do after, but that coincides. I think that Love is going to play because Rodgers is going to be leaving 
and Green Bay's not going to have a great year. So I don't know, Damien, what do you think about all that? I actually like the prediction, especially if they're not having a great year. If they're out of playoff contention by 13, they're definitely going to get a look at him and see where he is, see how far they have to go going forward. That's going to make Aaron Rodgers mad. You know, somebody who we know can, you know, be somebody who can be easily easily agitated at times. For sure. So, so <laughs> to put it lightly. Him, I can see that getting on his nerves and him being like, all right, go ahead, get me out of here. Let me go somewhere else and prove that I still got it in the tank. So I like that prediction. Yeah, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. I think it may all tie in together, Nikki. I don't know. Are you on board with that? You think maybe this is it for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and he goes somewhere else? And I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I'm with you. I think this is probably his last year. Um, but, yeah, no, you guys are right. I don't think it's entirely crazy to think that, you know, we would see, especially if they're not in playoff contention, then, yeah, I mean, why, you know, why wouldn't we? And that's really going to piss off Aaron Rodgers. But, <laughs> no, I'm with you. If, if, they're, if they're going nowhere, and look, like, they don't have the best receiving group out there either. It's going to all be on Aaron Rodgers this season, I think, anyway. He's got to make something out of nothing. He usually does. Um, but, yeah, like, if we're, you know, if the schedule's on track and season's on track, track and they've got no chance then i don't see why we wouldn't see jordan love so yeah yep. so uh, yeah i definitely think it's a very high possibility is maybe it's not even that bold but that's one of my bold ones i got another one coming up for you guys but let's go to nikki and see what her first bold prediction is my first bold prediction and trust me this is bold and it is my homer prediction but my g-men will win at least six games, okay, coming off of a season where we have won three, two. <laughs> but I'm, you know what? I know the locker room isn't really buying into Joe Judge just yet, but I am, and I think they will too. I think they're going to get on board. I've been watching some highlights from training camp. I've been seeing what's going on. I like what I'm seeing. I think that the Giants start putting it together, and we're going to see six, at least six wins, but I'm thinking maybe more towards the seven or eight, but I'm going to say at least six, which is incredibly bold given from where we've come from. Yeah, I guess she's got a point with that. That is bold. You know, it's not the, the toughest division. Well, that you got Dallas and you got the Eagles. They can play ball. There's no doubt. We'll see what happens, but um yeah, the Giants, they should improve. And it's kind of funny you said that. I have sort of a Giants-related bold prediction coming up for you in a little bit. But, uh, Damien, what do you think about her prediction? Six wins for the Giants, maybe more. I can see six. Don't <laughs> <laughs> like, get crazy now. <laughs> yeah. I can't really see. But six, I can see them pulling out six. They're definitely going to be better. Um, hopefully, you know, Joe Judge's methods of trying to get them better um, doesn't put the team too far off. We've talked about it last week. The team, the veterans on the squad should be trying to get the youngins, you know, to buy into it so they can be better. But if he's going too extreme with it, then the team might falter as far as their performance. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But if they gel together, I can see six months happening. It certainly is possible. It's a bold prediction coming from Nikki right there and her team. All right, let's get another bold prediction. First one from Damien. So my bold prediction, my first one, has to do with my squad with the Saints. So we all know that last year Michael Thomas broke the record, Marvin Harrison's record for receptions in a season. And I've been thinking about it with 
the help of Emmanuel Sanders, them being able not being able to double as much on Michael Thomas. I think he breaks his own record this year. Whoa. <laughs> he more catches than he had last season. All right. Wow. So I'm going with Michael Thomas to break his own record for receptions in a season. Each year in the league, he's increased his catches and yards. And I think that trend continues this year as he continues to get better. That is, that's very, very bold. That's extremely bold. There's no doubt because you can even look at it playing devil's advocate saying, well, Emmanuel Sanders is there. So, you know, they'll throw the ball to him a little more because he'll have single coverage and whatnot. But your point to finally Mark, uh, Mark, Marcus Colston, Michael Thomas, being able to be a little bit more free now because you have other threats. It could happen. I sure as hell don't think it's going to happen. That's a lot of catches, man. That's bold as hell. But if anybody could do it, Look, it's it's Breeze and Thomas. I mean, those guys are connected in the mind like they share the same cerebellum or something like that or whatever brain part it is. So if anybody can get it done, Nikki, they can. But, my God, that'll be tough. Yeah, that's a tough order. That's a tough felty, but I like it. I, I like I like a good, bold, really kind of fast, probably not going to happen. But you have such conviction behind it, so I'm with it. I hope it does happen. I'd love to see that. Oh yeah, it definitely be awesome to see if it happens because that's a crazy accomplishment to do two years in a row. Never know. We shall see. I'm still, I still can't get over the reservoir dog things. It's still pissing me <laughs> off right now. <laughs> now I really, I really, I, I kept picturing the letter R. I knew it started with an R, and yeah, I'm still upset, so I can't think straight. Bold but, prediction. Jay's not gonna let it go until next week. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm so angry. And then when people listen back to this and they know me and they're going to be like, what the hell's the matter with you, dude? Are you freaking kidding me? So whatever. I mentioned Pulp Fiction is one of my favorites, Quentin Tarantino, and I couldn't get his first book. All right. Stop me now. Here we go. My second Pulp Prediction. Nikki, you're going to freaking love this one. All right. Daniel Jones is going to be a top five fantasy football quarterback. I'm telling you right now, top five fantasy football quarterback. Yes. Put in Mahomes, put in Lamar Jackson, maybe one or two others. But there's a lot that goes into it without getting too deep. They're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be throwing it to even Saquon Barkley. And they're going to be down a lot, especially going to the second half. So Daniel Jones is going to have to throw the football. And he could be throwing for 400 yards a game based on how bad their defense is. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to knock the team, but this is the way that it is. When you're down by a lot, ask Jameis Winston what happened last year. He threw for a ton of freaking yards, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Okay, but when you're in that position, you're going to throw for a lot. You're going to score late-minute touchdowns, and you're going to accumulate a lot of points for your fantasy team. So I'm not telling anybody to go draft him in, like, the second or third round or anything like that, but uh, Daniel Jones is going to be a top-five fantasy quarterback this year for those reasons. Nikki, are you loving it, or do you think I'm nuts? He just might look. He's got, he's got he's got the ability, and if he's got his healthy wide receivers, Damian, you're talking about Golden Tate. I know he's past his prime. Sterling Shepard. Um, we'll see if uh, what's his name. Um, can't get out of my head right now. The third wide receiver who came along last year. If if they can get it together, Evan Ingram. I, I don't know. Let's see. You know, maybe he can. Yeah, no, I can see that, especially when you say fantasy wise, because. There's, a, there's been some fantasy years with some QBs who aren't the best, 
Uh, I remember the famous Blake Bortles year. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of got us thrown off this set. Like, oh, he was great in fantasy, yeah, because he was coming from behind every game. Exactly. <laughs> and throwing a million yards that way. Like you mentioned, Jameis Winston, there's been some other quarterbacks who are known famously for being great fantasy um, stat stuffers in games that they weren't in. I think Stafford's had some years like that, especially the year he threw 5,000 yards. We were like, he was a great fantasy quarterback that year, but didn't lead to that many, that much success. So, yeah, he definitely has a chance to do that. And, you know, it might have to block Jason from drafting him. In later <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for this draft, I'm telling you. Right? Am I giving it away or am I playing fantasy mind games right now? Ooh, who can tell? We got our, <laughs> we got our draft coming up tonight, which we're going to talk about in a second. I can't freaking wait, but I want some more bold predictions. Nikki, what's your next one? Chase Young is going to break the rookie sack record of 14.5 this year. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's like gifted physically. He's a damn impressive edge rusher. And Washington, they have a pretty good defense there. And I think it's going to make it a little difficult for opposing teams to zone in on Chase Young. Um, And listen, that record, they've stood since 1999. So I think if anyone's going to pull it off, this year, I think it's going to be Chase Young, and I think he does it this season. You know what? That's bold, possible, and I love it. I think that's awesome, Damian. I think that's great. Yeah, no, that's a really good prediction. I like like the research that went into that one as well. Chase Young is definitely somebody who, if it you know if Cincinnati didn't need a quarterback, he would have been the top pick. Yeah, like he's that type of talent when it comes to it. So I could definitely can see that happening. And something positive has happened for the Washington team, so why not? <laughs> I know, really. I mean, they have been just plagued with injuries every single year, and they do have really good players on that team who are aging now and haven't really been on the field that much. But, yeah, let's see. Chase Young, obviously, a, a great addition. And, you know, if he does what he did at Ohio State, forget about it. It's going to be incredible. Bold predictions rocking it right now. All right, we got one more before we close out the show, but talk a little fantasy football before that. Go ahead, Damian. So for my last bold prediction, I'm going to go ahead and say that Joe Burrow will have a 2-to-1 TD to interception ratio. So I'm going that he's going to have at least 20 touchdowns and less than 10 interceptions. Hmm. All right. All right. Is that based off of like more what you've seen in – you know, what you saw from him in college, or is it like the intellect sort of thing? Because I could see that happening, too. I think he's a smart guy, and he's got a good arm and good receivers. So it's a bold prediction, definitely. But, um, yeah, is, is that is that the reason why you went that way? Yeah, I'm an LSU fan, so I saw a lot of him in college. And I love the improvement he made from his junior year to his senior year when it came to just reading the defense. You saw that the game slowed down for him so much. And, of course, being a rookie in the NFL is going to speed up again because of the talent level. Right. But as far as his knowledge of the game and being in a pro offense, in that Saints-type offense that he was in his senior year, I think it's going to prepare him well to avoid those mistakes. And he knows when to – he knows when to fold them. There's a lot of quarterbacks when they're younger who don't know when to fold them. And he just, they always go all in. They're going to take the risk. He knows when to fold it when he doesn't have a good hand. Throw the ball away, 
dink and dunk when he has to. So I think he will avoid turnovers. When you make a bold prediction, you got to be able to back it up. And you just did it right there. Well done. I like that. I like that. And I know that Cincinnati will love that, Nikki, if that can happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't know much about Joe Burrow, but with Damian said, I'm here for it. Let's <laughs> when the coach speaks, we listen. That's the bottom That's line. It. That is it. Well, before we get to it, and tonight, oh my God, the three of us and nine others, a 12-team fantasy football freaking league. We talked a little fantasy here. Nikki did her fantasy uh, knowledge with Nikki last week. We're ready to go. The The season's less than two weeks away, and I've been doing some mock draft, guys. Like I said, I mean, the usual are going at the top, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. All the guys that we mentioned in our running back uh, segment over there, Dalvin Cook. It's uh, when do you pick a wide? You know, we're not going to give strategies away here, but when do you start with the wide receivers? When do you want to draft your quarterback? Do you want to get a big-time tight end? You know, the kicking doesn't matter, so I wait for that for last. And defense, it's like, all right, whatever. That could be like a week-by-week thing. But a lot of different strategies going into the draft that really even at the back end, who you draft – can make your season later on, Damien. Yeah, no, definitely. And some people, like you said, some people go wide receiver heavy. They'll go two, three wide receivers before they even get a running back because they feel like, you know, running backs can be productive later into the draft. Some people are going to go running back heavy. They want to get three dynamic running backs, you know, have one in the flex and try to take their chances with maybe okay wide receivers. Um, you have some people who want to get the best quarterback, you know, like the dual threat quarterbacks early. You know, I've seen people draft like a Russell Wilson in the first round, even though with quarterbacks, that's not mostly what you do. But if you get somebody who you think is going to be dynamic in that way and can be someone who dominates, like say at Deshaun Watson did when he first came to the league, we had a guy who had Deshaun Watson in one of my leagues his rookie year. And before he got hurt, he was dominating because Deshaun was out there killing with both running and passing the ball. So you have to know where you want to go. You can't get stuck in between. That's one thing. You have to get to your strategy and stick to it. Right. Because if you try to do too much as far as I'm going to get a one good receiver, one good running back, then you'll be weak in other spots. So it's very interesting the strategies that different people have depending on when you're drafting. And some people love having that first pick. Some people hate it. Like there's so many different things that go into it. And I just love it. I love this time of year, man. Uh, me too. Me too. I mean, look, I love fantasy football in the league all year, but the draft is my favorite part of it. And Nikki, when drafting over the past few years and hours, the league has been changing and, you know, we have PPR. When you're drafting running backs, there's not a lot out there that are the guys that are always carrying the ball. We see so many, you know, go to the 49ers. You don't know who's going to have the big day for them. You know, so when you go into running backs, yeah, you want to make sure you get the guys that you know are going to carry the ball, but so many of them are splitting carries, uh, Nikki, that it it makes it tough to draft running backs at times. No, it really does, and that's probably one of the most frustrating things, especially if, depending on your strategy, maybe you don't put a lot of emphasis on running back and you're kind of just all over the place, and then you get a team where it's running back by committee and you don't know who's going off one day, and then they do nothing for three weeks. So that's probably one of the most frustrating positions. But like Damien said, like I think – most of us have our strategy, which I am not even going to touch on with YouTube. <laughs> Based off with you guys in a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, no, you just have to have your plan, your strategy. I had mine for quite a few years. It's worked out pretty well for me, and it's gonna work out again this year because I'll be damned if I lose to the two of you. So. Oh, woo! Coming at it right now. Ooh, I love the confidence. I love the confidence. I love it. Too bad it's not gonna work out. One thing I can't lose to a team with the Eli Manning name in it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I had a very bad year last year, so I got a lot of making up to do. I really do. I mean, you can't just blame injuries. You know, you got to be a good manager. If somebody's injured, then go out there and, you know, make a move and do something. And I'll be honest, last year was the first time I did not do a great job at it. So I'm going to be really, really focused on that. A lot of players, and there could be a lot of things during the season, you know, whether it's COVID, well, most likely COVID, you know, that'll keep certain players out. There's going to be a lot. We're going to look as managers this year. The one thing I can say and just give a strategy to everybody, be on your heels and watch what's going on because things change very, very rapidly, especially now with with everything. I mean, there was another even in baseball. uh, I think somebody from the athletics had COVID. They had to shut down the game. So stuff is still out there, man. And now, look, in less than two weeks, these guys are going to be nose to nose, literally. And we just got to pray that they're healthy, guys, you know? And we got a tough league. Our league, so we've done this how many years now, plus our pick league with Alex. Like, I, you got, it is a tough group. Like, there is no, you know, I've played in leagues before where you have, like, that, we all know, you have that weak person, and you're like, yeah, they don't really know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> This girl right here, she is confident city right now. I love it. And why not? Why not? I love the confidence. You know, when you have a not Hall of Famer as the name of your team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is how we do it. This is what third and three is all about. It's the fun facts and the football, man. This is just great. Going at it. All in love. Had an awesome time today again with my partners over here on 3rd and 3. We'll be back next week, like I said, predictions, breakdowns, all the NFL, and the games are going to be starting. Fantasy football tonight, and we will definitely let you know what happens as we go along. So for now, we are out of here on this Sunday, and we wish you nothing but the best and a wonderful week, and God bless you all. All right, Nikki and Damian, let's say peace. Peace. We are out of here. Enjoy your day.